I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, April 22nd will be the 100th birthday of Charles Mingus and his music and that of Miles Davis will be celebrated on the stage of Cork Opera House in a massive concert by the RTE Concert Orchestra and Big Band in a collaboration with the BBC Concert Orchestra which sees world-renowned Guy Barker come in as associate artist to arrange and conduct this double whammy of a celebration. Mingus and Davis performed by an orchestra and big band with a serious jazz pedigree under one of the top names in the business. It all makes for an unmissable event for jazz fans. And I had a chat with Guy Barker the other day, but before we got into the jazz, I had to dip into his own performance career first because he's played all over the world with a who's who across every genre. And the film director, Anthony Minghella, not only asked him to arrange music for a number of films, he also put him on camera front and centre in the talented Mr. Ripley. There's a scene where Jude Law and Matt Damon go into this smoky bar and the two of them take to the stage eventually well front and centre as I said is trumpet player Guy Barker so I started there Basically, Guy, if you listen to that particular track from the soundtrack to The Talented Mr. Ripley, you're there in the band and that just looked like one hell of a party. What was it like to film and play? It was fabulous. Everything about the small amount of work I did on that film was a joy, but it was something that went on for a year from the very first time I was asked to be involved. I I went to Rome and spent a weekend sitting in a beautiful apartment with a couple of the producers and Anthony Minghella just listening to great music and Anthony asking me questions, just saying, now, this film is set in this year. Would they have heard this? Would they have heard this? You know, and... And we we just talked about it. it was great. And then we recorded the music, the jazz aspect of it. Then um, we overdubbed Matt Damon's voice in Rome while I was recording in London. And he did a fabulous job. And then we ended up in Rome in August in a heat wave, 
shooting that scene. Wow. And they found a club and we were in that room for two days shooting that scene and it was boiling hot and they still sprayed artificial sweat on us <laughs> to make it look like we were really going for it. But I stayed in touch with many people who worked on that film afterwards, including Jude Law and, and Matt Damon. And, you know, if ever the subject came up years and years later, mm-hmm. people still talked about that shooting that scene because we did actually have a great time, even though there were always cut, no, let's do that, set up again. I mean, when we walked into the club, Anthony Minghella was that re- was such an amazing man and he loved music and he loved musicians and he always wanted to represent musicians correctly because uh, he felt like so many films, you know, when you see people miming or, you know, you... You, you see a movie and on the soundtrack you hear an orchestra and the band that you see is like five guys playing, you know, um, and all of these kind of things. So he wanted to represent us properly and he said, wait there, I'm just going to set the band stand up. And he set the stage up, what was best for him to get his filming, but it had to be how we would set up. Mm-hmm. Authentic, yeah. Authentic. And I always remember when we went up, he said, OK, I've done it now. He said, this is up to you. If I've got this wrong, we'll start again. And we all got up on the bandstand and we were just about to play. And the piano player, Bernardo Sassetti, just looked at the piano and turned around to him and said, it's OK, I've been here. You've nailed it. This is exactly how we would do it. And uh, and we had a ball, I must admit, that oh. those two days were fabulous. Well, you know, when you said that he truly respected musicians as a director and wanted it to be right, that plainly was if you had already had your previous session of days in Rome going through the music and talking about what would or wouldn't have been heard or appropriate at the time. But it does look like the most royal party and a boiler room for sure, uh, even though now we can find out about the heat wave that you were struggling through. But you mentioned, just as we were kind of setting up and everything like that, though, of course, like you've toured with Sinatra and so many other, I mean, like literally, Guy, the litany and the list of names that you've worked with and toured with is just one of the happiest things, I'm sure, for you to to look back on in your career thus far, because it's so, so much more to come. But I can't let you go without asking you what it was like to tour with Sinatra. It was amazing. I mean, what can I say? Um, I did three tours, actually, but the 1989 one was six weeks around Europe with Frank Sinatra, Liza Minnelli and Sammy Davis. And the last two gigs we did were in Dublin. It, were, it was just, it was gr- great. I mean, when the, the, the way it worked was we had the orchestra and the crew. You know, when we go from one country to another, the orchestra would, would get on the plane with the crew and it was almost like the plane was just full of us, you know. And then Mr. Sinatra had his aeroplane and Sammy Davis had his aeroplane and Liza Minnelli had this in, incredible, because um, she didn't fly, I remember, on the on the trip. And she had this beautiful, you know, like a hotel suite on wheels, if you like. Wow. And it, but it was, everything worked like clockwork. And it was just amazing to sit amongst that amazing orchestra and look on the bandstand, look on your music stand, and see uh, the music that has been played by so many great musicians over the years. Some of them were the original parts from the recordings at the Sands that Sinatra did with the Count Basie Orchestra in 1960-something, you know. 
So it was, it was marvellous. And, and I got to sit next to a wonderful trumpet player called Buddy Childers, who played lead trumpet with him for ages. And on that first tour, Irv Kotler, uh, the drummer who played with Sinatra since the 50s, he was sitting to my right. And it was like, it was, it was an education. It was mm. like going to school. It was just the best school I'd ever been to. Extraordinary. Oh, my gosh. Guy, if you haven't written the book already, you absolutely have to write it. Because besides all of that, and I I can see here in front of me the list of musicians with whom you've played, session musicians or whatever, from Van Morrison to Grace Jones and George Michael. And as you said earlier on, Katagugu in the mix (laughs) there as well. So many more. Um, But it is really thrilling when I know that jazz is just at the centre of your soul and your heart and your love and your joy to see this particular celebration with the RTE Concert Orchestra. And it's, it's a huge, huge umbrella collaboration between the RTE Concert Orchestra with whom you are now Associate Artist and the BBC Concert Orchestra and a big band collaboration to celebrate particularly the centenary of Charles Mingus. In fact, the concert in Cork is on the centenary of the birth of Charles Mingus because it is the 22nd of April for that particular concert that's coming up. Mingus and and Miles Davis in an amazing double celebration. When did you first kind of come at the orchestration we'll say, of the music of Charles Mingus, because I imagine that's quite difficult when you look back at at the music of a a jazz player and composer whose, I suppose, greatest legacy to the world of jazz was group improvisation. Yes. So if I can answer that question with the the miles first, I was asked by the BBC Philharmonic a few years ago that they, they said they would like to collaborate with me and they'd like me to do something. So I had a meeting with them and I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, Miles Davis. And I said, really, Miles Davis, you want me to do it? And I said, well, it's, it's jazz. And they said, well, you can have your big band as well. And you could have the whole orchestra. You can have as much as you want. I said, so I'm now being presented with 85 musicians uh, to record the music of a, of a guy where the majority of the music that's on those recordings is made up of the improvisations of the musicians there. And also some of his recordings in the 50s were some of those intimate sounding, beautiful pieces. And in my mind, I, I, I'd already turned it down. I already thought, how on earth can I do this? And I couldn't, and I literally had to say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And the guy said, let's have it. Let me have a think about it. And as I left the room, he said, guy, I said, what? He said, I will pay you. And uh, so I, <laughs> I said, don't make it more difficult for me. But anyway, I went away. And then I remembered that many years ago, I'd got to meet and work with Gil Evans, who collaborated with Miles Davis a lot. And we did a, a series of concerts in Europe. And I remember there was an encore required. The audience really wanted an encore. And we didn't have anything in front of us, the band, the, the big band that he, we had. And Gil went off and he came back with a plastic bag. And in the plastic bag were sheets of music that he handed out. And the, on the pieces of music was the piano introduction that Bill Evans plays at the very start of Kind of Blue into the tune So What?, And he just said, look, just choose whichever part you want, because it was just a piano part. So he said, choose which line you want to play and we'll do it. And then we'll go into uh, so what, because you can all busk that. So I remember that as we played that intro, instead of it sounding like this really um, introvert 
piano gentle intro, suddenly it sounded majestic. It sounded like, wow, this is almost like a, a fanfare for something to come. So I, I went home and I said, well, I'll start with that and see how I get on. And so I expanded on that and used all the orchestra and then went into, so what? And suddenly I thought, I can do this. This is going to work. But then the other thing is, how can I respect, pay respect to the musicians and the music that they played ultimately. So what I, I ended up doing was there are huge sections where I've transcribed what Bill Evans improvised. Wow. There are sections where there's Miles Davis's solo, John Coltrane solo. So when, <laughs> when we did that, and then there's bits where I treated myself like I was the seventh member of the band, so I could go off and improvise, but with my pen. Once that had happened and we'd done a few performances and we played it with the RTE and it went really well afterwards, I said, I'd love to do Mingus. And that was three years ago. And it, this was something I talked about with the RTE. And then subsequently the RTE spoke to the BBC Concert Orchestra and we made this, this collaboration for the commission. The weird thing is because of COVID and all of that, we've ended up doing it on the centenary. We would have done this last year. The coincidence is great. So the way I approached the Mingus was similar to try and pay as much respect uh, to the music. So there are aspects where you'll hear the orchestra playing what Jackie Bayard played on his piano. And the bass player actually has a lot of Mingus's lines there. Mm -hmm. But also the other thing was I knew that as it was Mingus's centenary, everybody would be doing it. There'd be performances all over the world, which would be wonderful at various tributes. So I was trying to find a way of doing something slightly different. And that's when I got the idea of enrolling my great friend, Rob Ryan, who's a fabulous author. And we've worked together on a number of projects. There's been times when I've been really stuck to write and I'll call Rob up and he'll send me a story. And then suddenly I've got something to write for. And so he has created a great narrative to go with this. And we've got Alan Harris, who's an amazing singer, who I've worked with a few times. He's from New York and he's also an actor. And there are some songs that Mingus wrote. So those will be incorporated as well as some dialogue, which is great fun, actually. Oh, it sounds absolutely amazing. I just think for audiences in Cork who are going to be there on the 22nd of April in Cork Opera House for the actual centenary of Charles Mingus's birth as well. It's going to be one of those mind-blowing nights. I can already predict everyone walking out of the theatre at the end of the evening, uh, unable to stop the smiles across their faces. Um, I'm going to ask you, Guy, maybe would you choose a piece first this morning? There's too many, but I think, um, well, there's the album Aham, which is probably one of his most famous albums. And uh, there's there's some some lovely music on there. Better get it in your soul. Uh, goodbye pork pie hat. Anything, anything. It's all beautiful. There's a beautiful song of his as well called Orange Was the Colour of Her Dress Then Blue Silk. Aren't the names of the songs just incredible? The thing about Mingus is you listen, you know, you talked earlier about the collective improvisation and and sometimes, the, you know, you can get this creative, aggressive sound and he'll do that one minute and then the next minute he can write the most romantic, beautiful melodies. I mean, he does all sorts, but he's full of humour. You mentioned the titles. There was one song he wrote which was called All the Things You Could Be Now If Sigmund Freud's Wife Was Your Mother. And, you know, oh and then they, yeah, oh, Lord, please don't let them drop that atomic bomb on me. And, um, oh. and then, yeah, there's some, uh, yeah, it's just, just 
wonderful. Well, it, but we play a bit of it. The, the shoes of the fisherman's wife are some Jivar slippers, you know, and, and they're all titles <laughs> that he wrote. I love it. You know, we often joke about the titles for some uh, traditional Irish tunes, which can be a bit hairy from time to time. So Charles Mingus, part of the same family. Listen, Guy Barker, it has been a pleasure having a chat with you today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Elmarie. Thank you.